You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 139. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Our Take segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We have a busy show planned for you this week in our case for, case against segment. We have a look at retail, e-retail, and cloud computing services giant Amazon Inc., symbol AMZN on the NASDAQ. Aaron argues the bear case. I crush him with the bull case. And Uncle Brennan sits in as judge, jury, and executioner. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we answer a listener question on the very topical Enthusiast Gaming Holdings, Inc., symbol EGLX on the TSX. The principal business activities are comprised of media and content, entertainment, and esports. The stock has had a tremendous run and is growing at a high clip via acquisition. In terms of revenue, we look at whether it is sustainable going forward. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Brennan and Aaron. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Salutations. Doing good. Doing good. We heard your your talk on the on the radio with Michael Campbell on, on Money Talks. Yes. Yeah. I know. It's always great to be on. Enlightening, did you say? Enlightening. Very enlightening. Yes. I, do, I thought so you just right. said lightning for a second there, and I said I, I thought it was actually you know longer than usual, but but no, it was good. It was a good good segment. Mike's always a good interview. The audience is great there. Um, we he started off by talking about my last appearance, which was actually October thirty first, Halloween, spooky appearance. Um, and we, the three stocks I recommended then was Protec, Polaris, and Acme. Um, Protech was up 35.5%, Polaris was up 58%, Acme was up 31 So that's always a good start when the last time you we were on the show, all three stocks were up, the average gain was 42%. So it was always good to come on and talk about that. We talked about that briefly. And then the markets generally, the valuations. Uh, I talked about you know how we look at the market from a broad perspective using the Schiller P.E., I said it was at 36 right now. 36 is 40 and a half percent higher than the recent 20-year average of 25.6. So, and really, the recent 20-year high is 36. We're so we're at the high right now. And what does that mean in the market? What does that mean? What should we be doing? Uh, should we be going out there essentially and selling everything we own, sell all the stocks we own, and run for the hills? Well, I said that. It kind of means more that the markets aren't cheap broadly and you need to be aware of what you're buying and the valuations. Uh, but I, we also talked about how stocks are still attractive relative to, say, bonds and many other investments out there. But it does mean that not all stocks are cheap. I need to know what you are buying and what you're owning, not just the price, but the value you are getting in that underlying investment in that stock that you own. So we went through all of those uh, things, too. And Talked about a couple individual stocks as well. 
yeah, it was good. And one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm excited about with the DIYs is that, you know, when you're on the radio show, for example, you have 20 minutes, if even that, to basically, you know, explain, talk about as many things as you can that are going to give people good tools to, to manage their own investments and then provide a couple of companies, talk about your past picks. With the DIYs, we have, you know, three hours um, to really talk about this stuff and, and dive deep in. So just on the topic of valuation, you know, you talked about the Schiller PE, uh, cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio of the market and where that is relative to other points in time and in, in history. Uh, we want to go even deeper. There's other valuation metrics that are based more on bond yields and interest rates that we also want to take a look at, see what they're saying. But then also, you know, more than just providing a lot of data about whether or not how expensive the market is or isn't, but really giving people actionable advice on what to do with that information and how to how to how to manage their portfolios going forward and another thing i just want to say too that i think is a really important point to make is that you recommended three companies the previous time you were on um the money talk show you said acme polaris and protac yeah if you look at these businesses absolutely amazing performance from these companies they're, they're all different businesses as well i mean you got acme they, they make first aid kits uh and other staples like scissors uh, making a lot of money at it, paying a dividend. You've got Polaris that pays a nice dividend that's a renewable power producer with great growth opportunities over the next several years. And then you have ProTech, which is a home healthcare company and benefiting from the home health healthcare trend. So all these profitable businesses, and this is really what we're trying to communicate. Yeah, I, I mean, when you look at the breadth of those businesses, just the three businesses from the disparate injure industries that they come from. I mean, that's, I think what, you know, I'm not trying to toot our horn, but that's what we bring to the table in terms of our research, three completely different companies, you know, w one listed in Canada, uh, one doing business in the U S although listed in Canada and the one doing business, you know, all over the world, but you know, listed on the New York stock exchange and just this, the, the similarity to all of them is great profitability and bought at reasonable prices and, you know, returning money in terms of dividends on two of them to their, sh to the shareholders as well, but tremendous growth in those businesses as well. And, uh, you know, those are the type of businesses that we like to bring to our clients. And that's why when we go on a show like that, you know, you briefly mention those companies and then, you know, re revisit them. Usually it's not within three to four months. You want to revisit a year or two later, but you know, over the three to four month period, these have done tremendously well and we'll see how they continue to do going forward. But again, we say all of those businesses were bought significantly lower by our clients and that's what we you know, endeavor to do when we do that research and, you know, and, and you talked about being able to dig deeper. That's what I do love about these seminars and the live webinars that we have coming up. When I do a hit like that on a radio program, you get to go for, you know, uh, 30 seconds to a minute and a half on a topic, but we get to go for two and a half hours and dig into some topics. And, you know, that's what we'll be doing there. And then Just, answer questions after. Yeah. A 45 minute Q&A at the end, which is great. We answer, answer any and all questions from the attendees there. We talk about building that simple 15 to 25 stock portfolio, get our market outlook, you know, and we talk about hot topics at this event, give you a four to six stock starter portfolio. So I encourage you to come to that event. It's April. There's two of them, April 6th, 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, and then April 13th, we make it a little easier for back east. It's 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern time on April 13th. Uh, the tickets are selling faster than ever. Uh, it's awesome to see. Every time we do one of these 
uh, we have more and more people going to them. So at some point, we're going to have to cut off the room size because we started to get too many people in there. But uh, and that actually may happen this time. So I again, I would encourage you to get your tickets ahead of time. Um, the last thing I'll say about my appearance there, <laughs> uh, apparently I made one of my sisters, uh, I brought her to tears with the appearance on on my talks and I wasn't I wasn't intending to do that, but um, I told a story about a client of ours, um, a farmer out of Saskatchewan, where Brennan's from. Represent. And, uh, yeah, and, and it, I'm not going to tell the story today. Maybe I'll save that for another episode because we've already went uh, long on the intro here. But uh, I should tell that story again on our podcast, but apparently I brought her to tears. It was more because of you know what we were able to do for that client with one uh, recommendation and what he was able to achieve for his family. And I, I think we should really get into a couple of those stories in an upcoming episode. And we'll do that and kind of tease that right now. Hopefully I don't bring everybody in the audience to tears. That's not my intention. Are you sure it wasn't the, uh, the Shawshank redemption metaphor that brought it to you? <laughs> that one brings, that brings a smile to my face. Although, although when <laughs> yes. we're crawling through that river, right. Of, of crap to, yeah. to find those two or three companies after looking at 3000 it uh the smell of stink from some of the companies that we look at that really shouldn't be in anybody's portfolio in canada does bring me to tears that's the Ryan only thing that the does. Bre- blame it on the companies the smell on the company <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it, yeah. it's weird because most of the time my office smells pretty good but then aaron walks through and i just mm, <laughs> no, i don't yeah. know I've oh. been there a long time so <laughs> I, I, I think you oh. should look for other sources but well that's because anyway. he's just been in brandon's office and it just sticks to you right once you go in there that stink from saskatchewan all right i'm done i'm kidding <laughs> Yeah, hey, careful what you say. Ah, <laughs> uh, you guys smell great. Okay, does that make you yes, feel better? Yes. You guys both smell great. All right, let, uh, let's you're just kissing up to Brandon now because you know he's the judge of the stock debate. <laughs> I said you both smell great. Okay, but he he gets the uh, he gets the accolades too for smelling just wonderful. All right, let's look at Amazon. That is our. Um, it's going to be our case for case against debate. Amazon.com is still the name. A M Z N on the Nasdaq. $3,055 is where it trades. Market cap is $1.53 trillion. They operate through three segments. It's called North America, International, and Amazon Web Services. The primary is to the two services. It's a re- e-retailing giant, and it is huge in the cloud, leader in the cloud through its Amazon Web Services. It also manufactures and sells electronic devices, Kindle, Fire tablets, Fire TVs, Ring, Echo, and other devices. Now, let's get into this. Uh, We've got a case for, I think we're going to start with a case against. We did a pre-flip on this one, a flip of the coin, and Aaron has the case against. Aaron, are you ready? I'm ready, and I'm confident. Are you ready, Brennan? I am ready. I'm confident I can bring in the W. I'm ready to getting my How about you, Brennan? Do you have faith in me? He's not ready. I have faith. I have faith. Um, He he didn't say in you. He just says he has faith. You realize that, right? Yes, Okay, well, let's... uh, Okay, Let's so here. talk is cheap. Let's yep. get things going. Three, two, one, go. One, Amazon may be near peak earnings with uncertain growth. People have been forced to shop online during the pandemic, but as the economy opens, spending will shift away in the short term. Amazon's own Q1 guidance reflects the uncertainty with a very wide range of expected operating earnings, $3 billion to $6.5 billion, which is potentially below earnings from the same 
quarter of the previous year. Two, very high valuation at over 70 times earnings for Amazon. This compares to other great high growth FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, and Google that are trading at valuations in the 30 to 40 times range. Three, Amazon's leadership in cloud computing has been a key driver of growth, but this position is eroding. Three years ago, Amazon owned 32% of the market. Competitor to Microsoft owned 14%. Today, Amazon still owns only 32%, while Microsoft's share has grown to 20%. What happens to the valuation as they lose that leadership position? For long-term, there's a good argument in favor of Amazon, but in the near-term, uncertain growth, high valuation, and eroding. I think you know where I was going with that. Yep, I think I know. Good job. Yeah, that Good was job. well put together. Very but well. Unfortunately, all in vain, right? That's what we're saying. Honestly, I thought it was good. like just hearing Aaron's part. I thought it was going to be a lot easier. Um, you know, don't want to put all put my bias in here already, but uh, but yeah, we will see what Ryan but has to present me. You did our, just check your email for that e transfer I just sent you right there, right? You did yeah, just yeah. check that, thanks right? For the, so, okay, for yeah. the advance. All right, yeah, yeah. that's that's how we get it done around here. Appreciate right? it. Appreciate it. Yep. Good. We're good. We're good. Okay. So, uh, are you ready, Ryan? I'll count. I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. First off, you want to own great growth businesses that lead. Amazon is that. Number one, dominant e-retailer. Number two, Amazon's web services, AOWS, is dominant in cloud computing and enjoys margins that most other e-commerce competitors can only dream about. The growth will continue. The current growth is tremendous. Revenue has jumped 118% over the last three years, accelerating in 2022 to 38% from 2019, even at its size. Operating profit jumped 458% in the last three years and 58% in 2020 alone. Q3 didn't just, Q4, sorry, didn't just beat analyst expectations, it demolished them. Revenue was up 44%, net income more than doubled. Amazon is actually not that extensive. Its forward PE is 64.4. Next year's is 46.3. And three years out, 30 times. That is around its growth rate going forward. That is growth at a reasonable price and a high-quality name. It's off 11% from recent highs. It seems like a no-brainer. Time to add a premium name, growth name, long-term. Well-timed. Okay, so the ball is Ooh, in no my No pressure here, now. Brennan. No pressure, eh? Yeah, like I said, I thought that it was going to be a little easier. Um, again, I think that in the in the long run, you can't really bet against Amazon. But Aaron did make a really good case. You know, earnings are peaking right now because of COVID. Um, trailing earnings, you know, they are trading at a pretty high uh, multiple 70 times. That is, you know, getting higher, but I have seen worse. Um, and, you know, definitely higher than its comparables. But, you know, it, its market share is staying the same. You know, as he was saying, um, Microsoft is increasing their market share, but at least Amazon's is staying the same and it's not decreasing. Now, in regards to Ryan's, you know, like he said, I, I do think, you know, looking forward, the stock isn't priced too unreasonable. You know, I think it's 46 times two years out, he was saying, um, you know, and just again, I, I don't think that I can bet against Amazon. Uh, so the short term, I agree with Aaron, you know, be careful, you know, where you're, you're purchasing that stock. But in the long run, I do think, you know, that the stock definitely can offer some, some growth at a reasonable price, even though it is a pricier name, but you, you know, you're getting that premium stock for that premium valuation. So Ryan is the winner. Ah, <sighs> still undefeated. You know, I'll, I'll tell you that Are one you is really tough. Oh, I'm undefeated. The, really? the, oh yeah. The um, the <laughs> he would know, hey Aaron, he, <laughs> he would, would know. Oh, of course he would. <laughs> but um, 
Honestly, that is a tough one for like a value, you know, and growth investor, because I agree in the short term, it's hard to pay those valuations, particularly mm-hmm. when you could see a downtick uh, in earnings, just like Aaron said. And I mean, when we it's curious, because when we not curious, it's great, because when we did our last analysis of the fangs, we did that in the fall. Uh, we came out with one of the companies that we, the, the top company, I'm not going to say which it was today because it's an active buy on our list, but it is a company that uh, trades at lower valuations, you know, is one of the fangs, uh, is accelerating earnings, whereas, you know, Amazon got a bump from a definite bump. I mean, there's a tremendous growth company. They got a bump from everybody staying at home and everybody going online. Now, that's probably part of it's probably sustainable going forward, but in the near term, I'm not sure if you're going to see everybody, you know, ordering online that was forced to order online, um, you know, in the Q1, Q2 period of last year. So it's tough comparables year over year, and Amazon is guided towards that. So in the near term, you know, there's another of the fangs out there that we believe has actually will benefit from the reopening and uh, trades at lower valuations. So we ha- and it has actually since the fall tremendously outperformed Amazon. So. You know, it's good to see that when you make those research conclusions, they are working out. Yeah, yeah, that recommendation's yeah. done very well. Yeah, and you know, you know that I like to bash Brandon as much as the next guy or girl. Of course. Um, but <laughs> you know, I can't really disagree with with your statement there, Brandon, and that's kind of the way that I look at Amazon as well. I've said many times yeah. in the past, I would never argue with anybody who is going to buy Amazon. Um, you know, the rewarding leadership of the cloud to me is a concern. I don't hear it really talked about that much, but cloud just as a market is growing. So there's going to be growth itself, in business. Yeah, yeah. yeah, e-commerce, e-commerce um, is going to continue to grow. Yeah, yeah. maybe they're going to they're gonna see a, a bit of a downtick short term um, after the pandemic. Maybe not even, but long term, you know that that's the way things are heading. So if you're Looking five years out, I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue. With you you may that. have lost that one on the flip of the coin more than anything, right? Like it's mm-hmm. hard because it's really how do you? Yeah, it's hard to bet against if you're looking two to five years out. I mean, I there the there may be. I could. Yeah, there you did well. There the there may be like there's always for us. It's always where else could your dollars go? And if, looking at one of the fangs, there's probably one that we would prefer. It's not that we're saying Amazon's not a company to buy over the long term there's another name we might prefer or two you know in that segment yeah okay now we're going to look at the our our your stock our take segment it's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take buy sell or hold uh question came in i believe from jasmine via youtube on enthusiast gaming holdings inc brennan you have that tasked in front of you yes this one came in from jasmine via youtube and i'd also like to give uh one of our clients a shout out peter i know that peter has uh you know held this stock for a while not based on our recommendation but uh he's done well with it anyways let's take a look at eglx here so enthusiast gaming uh eglx on the tsx currently trading at a price of eight dollars and 83 cents and has a market cap of about one billion dollars so enthusiast enthusiasts 
principal business activities are comprised of media and content, as well as entertainment and esports. So its divisions are made up of number one, digital media platform, where it includes 100 plus gaming related websites and a thousand YouTube channels, where essentially they're just advertising on. Uh, number two, their esports division, uh, which they call Luminosity Gaming, uh, which they're a global esports franchise that consists of seven professional esports teams under ownership and management. Um, and then number three, uh, they also have their event business where they own and operate Canada's largest gaming expo. Um, but of course, you know, that's taken a recent hit here just because of uh, there's no in-person events. But I do believe that they've shifted online. Um, so now looking at a few uh, key points here. Now, the company has been making some pretty impressive partnerships. Uh, one has been with TikTok, where TikTok is going to use Enthusiast Gaming's uh, platform to essentially market itself, as well as they recently made a deal with Samsung, where Samsung will also be uh, sponsoring, I believe, some of the, um, the gamers. Now, looking at uh, some of the company's acquisitions and uh, adding some fan communities to their, their platform, on March 2020, or in March of this year, uh, they acquired Vetitis, which is the owner of IcyVeins.com, which is one of the largest independent uh, Activision Blizzard fan communities um, for about 8.3 million US in cash and stock. Um, and then in August of 2020, last year, they also announced the acquisition of Omnia Media Inc. Uh, and Enthusiast Gaming acquired 100% of the issued and outstanding shares of Omnia um, for, I believe it was, um, it says here, 18.25 million common shares, 11 million in cash, uh, as well as vendor take back note uh, with uh, 5.75 million face value. Um, so the thing here, just looking quickly at these acquisitions, you know, they, they say how much they're paying for the acquisitions, but we really don't have much color on, you know, the cash flow or the revenue coming from them. So it's very hard to, you know, basically see if these acquisitions are creative. Um, now as well, uh, the company, I would, I will just add this, the company is planning to list on the NASDAQ in the future. So looking at the company's recent financial results for Q4 of 2020, revenue was uh, 42.5 million, up 361% from the same quarter last year. Uh, net loss for the quarter was 6.9 million compared to a loss of 60 million for the same quarter last year. 12 trailing month adjusted EBITDA was a loss of about 11 million. And on December 31st, 2020, the balance sheet uh, was showing quite a bit of leverage with net debt of 31 million. But I should include that in 2021, the company has since converted 9 million of its debt into shares, as well as it raised an additional net proceeds from a bought deal offering of 50 million. So I believe that now uh, the company should have a net cash position. Um, and then also just looking at a price to sales valuation, uh, after they um, acquired Omnia um, recently, they provided a pro forma revenue run rate of about 127.6 million. So that provides the company with a forward price to sales multiple for the 2021 fiscal year at approximately eight times, which I would say is getting a little bit on the pricier side. So to conclude on enthusiast here, for a company that isn't currently profitable, it is exerting some favorable characteristics, such as its net losses decreasing as the company's revenue is growing, 
Plus, management has shown the desire to scale quite aggressively. And, you know, I've said this quite a few times on the, the podcast, being a gamer myself, you know, I see the direction of the company as being generally positive. Um, and, you know, one critique, though, is that I do wish the company would break out the financial data on the target companies it is acquiring through acquisition so that I could really assess if the company's acquisition growth strategy is accretive. Now, although the company is not profitable, it is slowly working towards profit, which is good. And after its most recent equity raise and debt conversion, the company has a reasonably healthy balance sheet with a net cash balance. But EGLX does trade at eight times forward revenue, which I would argue is quite pricey. So all in all, exciting space, working toward profit and pricey valuation. So I would argue that its current level, it does not meet or it does not offer growth at a reasonable price and we would stay on the sidelines. Now, again, just to reiterate from our discussion on the podcast a few weeks ago, this does not mean that I am betting against EGLX. I am simply saying that for our growth at a reasonable price strategy, the price that I am paying right now doesn't provide me enough margin of safety to the downside and confidence that the stock should continue to run higher in the near and long term. Yeah, no, it's a good summary. I think it's in an exciting sector and, you know, there's tremendous revenue growth there. I mean, it's backed by a family with a ton of money as well. But I mean, and there's, you know, it, 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 if you want participation in that sector, perhaps it's an option. But again, it just doesn't fit into our criteria because there's no profitability at current price. And if, if you look like what we need, uh, and it's certainly in a hot sector right now. And wh- why I say we cry- require profitability, I can give past examples. Um, if you have profitability in a company, the gains in that stock and what you do based on those gains, whether you buy, hold and sell as the stock goes up, uh, becomes more certain if it's backed by profits and cash flow. Now, we've talked a number of times about other companies from hot sectors on this podcast over the past year. Uh, Sono Nana tech comes to mind uh, is a covid test provider it flew up from around uh, you know under a dollar to 14 dollars at one point uh, the stock is you know cratered to a dollar 82 in that range so you know anybody buying in the three four five six seven eight ten all the way up to 14 dollar range has lost a significant portion of their capital well the company has never had you know never posted profitability never really posted any revenues so it's just backed by nothing. It's a house of cards. It collapses. The share price has collapsed. Uh, there's companies like Zebic Absorption, which we like the business overall, and there is tremendous revenue growth there. But we saw, and they're in a hot sector in a segment. This, the stock ran up from the dollar range from uh, you know above twelve dollars. But this, and like we said, the company actually had great revenue growth and potential, but it missed estimates posted losses it's posting losses and the stock has been crushed from you know where it hit the $12 range and it trades around $4 I believe in that range right now um, that is because there's just no underlying profitability in the business right now and when you don't have that you don't have any margin of safety in the business as opposed to companies that we look at that continue to post profitability over time the expels of the world the boyds the sangomas the Enge house the protect the true leave if you look up charts on these businesses uh 
they continue to go up over time. And it's not in a straight line, but it's going up jaggedly. I'm doing a jagged chart going up with my hand right now. You can't really see, obviously, but you know, it's that's what they're doing over time. It makes really Thanks great podcasting, right? I'm explaining what I'm doing. But like what we see there is all those companies, Expel, Boyd, Sangoma, Enchos, Protect, Trulief, posted huge share price gains as well, but the gains have been sustainable and they have built on themselves as they were backed by cash flow. Now, for these businesses, you can hold long term. For me, this is the difference between investing versus speculating in these businesses. So hopefully that makes sense. And I'd like to add too, you know, so EGLX, they're currently not profitable. They're probably going to have to raise more money in the future. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, is so they're, they're raising money uh, through equity raises and they're making acquisitions, but yet we can't really value, or as far as, you know, my quick analysis this morning on EGLX, I, I can't value if these acquisitions are being accretive to the overall business. So, you know, that, that there's another layer where, you know, it's a little bit more uncertainty, which, you know, keeps me on the sidelines personally. Um, yeah. And I mean, like EGLX is not Sono Nanotech. It's not a company no. with zero revenues, obviously zero profitability. It's more akin to Zebic in terms of at least there is tremendous growth there. It's in a hot segment. Um, they have not hit profitability at one point. Zebic did. But, you know, it's a company that has continued potential. We understand, you know, what they're trying to do acquiring that user base that they can use to you know sell to it it does seem to make sense from that perspective but you know it's one thing to do that uh i think their properties attract over 300 million gamers via their websites youtube channels esports and other organized events but to be able to then execute on monetizing that bring it to profitability over time is another endeavor altogether so there's execution risk in this business and when you haven't proven out that you could do that in terms of profitability you're betting on management you're betting on the sector going forward if you want to do that that's fine we love to bet on management teams that have already delivered on that you can buy at reasonable prices and have the same upside over time as an enthusiast may have so hopefully that makes sense i think that's going to any ending comments you have aaron are you good I think you, you, you guys covered it all. I mean, yeah. it really just, it, it comes down to me to, to validating the business model. And I understand yeah. why people invest in companies that aren't yet profitable. At least this company does have um, good, significant revenue. It's growing its revenue um, quite substantially. So that's a great sign. But for me, it, it ultimately comes down to the profitability. Um, now, if I was very assured that this company would enter profitability in the next year or two, it would make me more interested. For sure. But there are a lot of companies that grow their revenue, um, but as they're doing that, they're also growing their losses and growing their cash burn as well. They never hit profitability. Um, and when there's so much excitement in a stock that isn't making money, you know, there's just too many good companies out there that are making money, that are growing, that have businesses that I, I, I feel I fully understand um, or at least have a very good understanding of. There are companies like that to invest in where you can make amazing returns. So I don't personally see a need to speculate on companies that haven't that haven't validated their business model through through profitability, um, if people want to do that, go ahead. Just understand what you're doing. Understand those yeah. risks. Every port, every company in your portfolio should not be like that. Um, yeah, and that would be a mistake. And yeah, that's the that's the key point. I think you make at the end. Enthusiasts unto itself may do well over time. That may do, but if you create that, it's about for us creating that portfolio too. And if those fifteen to twenty five stocks that you own 
fit the profile of enthusiasts in terms of, you know, there's tremendous revenue growth, but they're not profitable. So you're really speculating on what they can do in the future to monetize their platform. If you're doing, if all 15 or all 25 companies have that profile, it's far too much risk in your portfolio. When you can have companies that have already monetized what they're doing, have already produced cash flow, have similar upside and, you know, trade at more reasonable valuations, proven out their model. That is what we want to, we want 15 to 25 of those type of companies because it is hard enough when you have that type of company as a profile to have, you know, enough companies make a difference in your portfolio to beat the market over the long term. But when you do it the other way, you're setting your portfolio up for disaster over the long term. It could be one of a couple companies in your portfolio if it's fitting the profile of all 15 to 25 in your portfolio, you're setting yourself up for uh, disappointment over the long term. Okay, well, that's going to kick, oh, that's going to end our show for this week. Um, I like, again, keep rating us, reviewing us on iTunes. We love the feedback. Keep your questions coming in to our Your Stock, Our Take, case for, case against. Ask us anything in the markets as well. And uh, get your tickets to our upcoming seminars, April 6th and April 13th. We'd love to see you there. And again, we're going to wish you profitable investing. Thanks, Ryan. And I'll just add whatever platform you're on, hit the like button, hit the share button, leave a comment, positive or negative. Uh, that's how we get the feedback. That's how we know that we're putting out content that people like. So um, we appreciate listening, uh, profitable investing, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone.